This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Idea to Life podcast. This is the podcast for you if you're getting started selling products or if you'd like to create your own product to sell. I'm Vicky Weinberg, a product creation coach and Amazon expert. Every week I share friendly, practical advice as well as inspirational stories from small businesses. Let's get started. Today I'm talking with Ian Moore from Be Greater Shoes. Be Greater Shoes designs and sells affordable kids' foot-friendly shoes which are designed to allow children's feet to grow, develop and move more naturally than most high street brands, while importantly looking after parents' wallets and time. So Ian and I spoke a lot about shoes, as you might have guessed, um, and we also spoke about what barefoot shoes mean, why this is important for children, as well as a lot about the process of designing a children's shoe. I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Ian. As always, I think there's so much you'll be able to take away from it and I would love to introduce you. So hi Ian, thank you so much for being here. Hi, how are you doing? Really good, thank you. Very excited to talk to you today. Can we start by you please give an introduction to yourself, your business and what you sell? Okay, so I'm Ian Moore. I am the founder of Be Greater Limited and we make affordable kids barefoot shoes. Amazing, thank you. So let's start right at the beginning, Ian, with what inspired you to create Barefoot Kids Shoes? What was what was kind of the catalyst for you thinking, okay, this is a business that, that I'm going to start? So it's a bit of a long, long answer, really, but I'd say the shortest way is I was the customer and there was there was nothing there in my budget. Basically, I was buying barefoot shoes for my children, and the main Sort of household brand, if you like, is uh, Vivo Barefoot, who they do fantastic things uh, with shoes. They have absolutely paved the way with sort of spreading word, the word about barefoot shoes, but they, they're they a bit above my price point. I mean, the, the average sort of starting price for some of the children's shoes is about £75, which I think is out of a lot of people's budget. Absolutely. And especially as you know, anyone with kids know their feet change and grow so quickly that you can be buying new shoes on a, like a, not a monthly basis, but it, you know, if it certainly yeah. can feel like that. So yeah, I would say that's beyond a, a lot of people's budgets. Yeah, definitely. So it was one of the things which we thought was important was, you know, why we're focusing on affordable kids shoes and not the adult shoes. One, there's already a lot of people doing adult shoes, but also I do think that, you know, we should, spend a bit more on shoes for adults, have fewer pairs, but look after them. And they should last us a good few years. Whereas, you know, with the best will in the world, you can say to your five-year-old, oh, these are some new shoes and look after them when you go to school. And the chances are they're going to come back and they've been pretty battered. 
no matter what you say to them. So I don't really see for a lot of people that spending £75-ish on a, a pair of shoes is really a viable option. So I wanted to create something uh, a lot better than what I could find, which was out there. And I had, I'd always had problems with my feet as a kid growing up and was kind of put in that standard thing of, you know, go to Clark's, get your feet measured, you need more support, you need put your feet in the right place and all of this. I ended up even having to had, uh, have orthotics put in my shoes and it never fixed the problem, which then led me onto barefoot shoes and then ended up wanting, you know, the best foot health for my children, which then how I, why I started then getting them barefoot shoes. Thank you. And I'm going to go a little bit even further back, if that's okay. So yeah. would you mind telling us, well, firstly, what barefoot shoes are for anyone who, who hasn't heard of them? And then second, secondly, what the difference is between a barefoot shoe and a regular shoe, just so people get an idea of why it was that you were so keen for your children to be wearing barefoot shoes. Yeah, cool. So I'd say there's three main sort of points with uh, a barefoot shoe is one, you have a nice wide toe box so that the toes can, you know, wiggle and they've got room to grow in, you know, a more natural shape and things like that, rather than, you know, ended up growing so that they end up looking like uh, the shoes that they're actually sort of wearing throughout their childhood. The other point is that it's a, what's called a zero drop shoe, so that the height at the toes and the heels is the same height, so you don't have any elevated heel and they should also be a really thin and flexible sole. So you can get that sensory feedback from, from the ground as you're walking, you know, basically wearing, you know, it's the, the, the more is less kind of concept, if you like, of, of shoes. Thank you. See, I've worn barefoot trainers for running for quite a long time um, because I read about the advanced, you know, being able to feel the floor beneath your feet and and all of that kind of thing but i'll be honest i've never considered it for sort of day-to-day walking around which sounds crazy when you think about it um i've saw i was remember i was looking on your instagram and i saw this really shocking image and i'm going to recommend we're going to link your instagram in the show notes i recommend everyone goes to show it it with like a section of a shoe where you could see a child's inside a regular shoe and then a child but inside a barefoot shoe and i was really quite shocked at how compressed particularly the toe area is in a regular shoe that was quite shocking to me yeah i mean that that image is you know, just the, the um, it's a picture of my son's feet. It was a pair of shoes which we had, which we'd bought from a, a local shop. And yeah, just a, a pair of ours. And we cut out the, the inside, took a photo. And I think, you know, what's that? You know, picture paints a thousand words um, and all of that stuff. Um, I mean, I think everyone would agree that bad footwear can damage feet you know i think that's you know a lot of people would agree with that but it's then trying to work out and people don't fully agree on then what is good for your feet if you know if we know that bad shoes hurt your feet then what is the good option and that's where i think a lot of people and you know more people are realizing actually sort of barefoot shoes are the way forwards I would say there with some physios and you know sort of chiropractors and doctors, there can be a bit of a split about whether barefoot shoes are a good thing or not. But generally that discussion is always around adults because they'll say, you know, for example, like yourself, you know, you you've spent sort of 20, 30, 40 years or you know, whatever, work wearing 
traditional shoes and then suddenly you know in your your 30s or or whatever you you then decide oh actually you know i've like you you know yourself i've read this article i'm going to start running in barefoot shoes some you know physios and chiropractors might say that actually that could end up causing more problems than it could fix and my whole belief around this is why are we adapting to wearing shoes which put our feet in unnatural positions why not just let children's feet grow as i'm sure most parents would want their children's grow is being healthy and unrestricted um, and that's that's kind of what we do and out of interest Ian, and i will move on to talk more about creating your shoes in a minute but I'm just, yeah. I, I just out of interest do you wearing or do you know whether wearing shoes that are perhaps a bit restrictive whether it has any impact on anything other than your feet because i can imagine it could potentially impact maybe your posture or your spine i i don't i don't know this i'm just oh, definitely smiling. i mean it, oh no 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 i mean it, the, um your feet are the you know foundations you know in, to your to your body and if there's something wrong with the foundations you know with your house then everything you know, cracks are going to appear everywhere else so it will all just go up that kinetic chain it will, you know you could then end up with you know problems with your ankles your knees your hips your spine the lot um not i i will also be honest with people i you know i love barefoot shoes i'm obviously a big advocate but i'm not trying to say that it's a panacea that you know if you wear bare shoes barefoot shoes it's gonna stop you getting any knee problems or any back problems you know i'm actually trying to be really honest as a brand we do think that there's benefits maybe not for everyone but the majority of people i think our shoes will be beneficial but yeah, they, it can cause all sorts of problems, like you said, not just your, not just with your feet. Thank you. And I think that's really good context. And I appreciate you saying that you're not sort of wanting to put misinformation out there. But yeah, so thank you for, for explaining all of that as well. So I'd like to talk now, if that's okay, Ian, about the process of actually designing and creating your shoes, because I imagine there's lots that goes on between going, actually, I can't find what I'm looking for. I'm going to create my own to actually having a product ready to sell. So should we start at the beginning when you decided that you were going to create your own region and and talk us through um, how you got started, I think is a good place to start. Yeah, that's fine. So I'd say how it all kind of started when, you know, that little seed and or that last bit kind of clicked and I thought, right, I'm actually going to do this as a business because I think things have been sort of growing subtly in my head, but it was um, actually watching Dragon's Den one evening and I just you know, shouted at the TV one of many times and said, oh, I've got an idea. How about someone actually make some affordable shoes, which are good for children's feet for once? But that idea just didn't go. It just lingered. And I kept coming back to it. And, and then I thought, right, well, what can I do? How do I go about doing this? Because I've got no idea about shoes or footwear. I mean, I was in the army for 10 years, so I've got no experience in, in sort of business or anything like this. So I literally started, I went online, I downloaded the Dragon's Den uh, application pack in there, which says, you know, have you got a business plan? I was like, that's a good point. I need a business plan. So I forgot about, I you know, parked the whole Dragon's Den idea and thought, right, let's get a business plan. So my first step was building a good business plan. Um, you know, I, I did that. Um, I you know, sort of looked at the, the market out there, what there was on to, you know, um, what there was available, looked at all my competitors, and then just slowly started developing 
that kind of the business plan, if you like, from that side, then the actual trying to develop a shoe, I've I went out and I uh, I found some freelance shoe designers. Um, I had a number of meetings with them, tried to narrow down, you know, who who I wanted to work with because I knew this was going to be a long ongoing thing, and I wanted a good sort of personal relationship. I wanted someone who really bought into what I was doing and why I was doing it. I thought that was really important for me. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. As you say, it is a long-term relationship, whether that's yeah. with a manufacturer or a designer. By the way, I didn't know you there were free, freelance shoe designers. That's really interesting. I suppose it makes sense that there would be because I guess very few people have this, that skill set. That makes total sense. Once you found someone that you were happy to work with, I guess, was it a sort of a collaborative thing of you explaining what you wanted and then translating that into actual designs? Yeah, very much so. So to start off with, I mean, it, it was brilliant. I mean, Dan, who's my freelance designer, like if it wasn't for, for him, I definitely wouldn't be sort of where I am now. So like I said, right, this is sort of my price point. This is my target audience. And then his thing was, he then said, right, you know, come back to me with images, you know, go online, you know, sort of just find images. What do you like? What don't you like? And um, it doesn't have to be barefoot shoes. It can just be, you know, traditional shoes, but we, you know, they wanted to get an idea of what styles and things like that we were after. Um, I then gave them a bit of a brief. So I think quite a few of the barefoot shoes out there can look a little bit quirky without trying to say, without trying to shoot myself in the foot as a as a brand because you know um but yeah so some of the shoes out there aren't the type of shoes which i would really choose to wear i i do prefer the more sort of traditional regular shoe look and that's what what i said i wanted i basically said to him look i want a shoe which looks very much like one you could pick up in you know uh, any sports shop or um, Clarks or anything like that, but just has these added benefits. I want something which, you know, no kids are going to get bullied for or anyone's going to take the mick because they look like clown shoes or anything like that. So I sent them all these photos. They came up with some designs, sent them back. And I just kind of said, yes, I kind of like this. I don't like that one. How about you put a bit of this on a bit of there? And, you know, we just kind of built it through that way. And it was very collaborative. That's brilliant. And so then you ended up, I guess, with some designs. How many designs did you start off with? Um, I'm trying to think. I think with the shoes and with the trainers, I think we had about five designs roughly of each, let's say. And then we sort of whittled it down. And then for basically being cost effective, we've launched with one style of trainer, but we then have, I think, five different colorways of that trainer. So, you know, by tweaking a few little bits, they do like look like different trainers, but actually they are just one design because otherwise, you know, it's going to really bump up the costs of manufacturing and everything. You're going to need different, um, I got to pay for more knives to be made to cut the materials and everything like this. So, you know, I just went for one design and different colorways. That makes total sense. So let's talk a little bit about the manufacturing then. Um, yeah. So once you have your designs, because I guess having designs on paper is one thing, but then there's actually translating that into a shoe, checking that they look as you expect, feel as you expect, they fit, and you have to find a manufacturer to do all of this. So let's talk a bit about that, please. Where did you start with looking for someone to manufacture your shoes? Um, so I'll be honest, this is also where I completely uh, landed on my feet here. 
So the freelance designer who I worked with, um, he had a, um, I guess, a business partner out in China. So they themselves, you know, they work collaboratively and, you know, instantly said, look, you can, there are other factories out there, but at your price points, you know, I recommend that we go to China. You know, I've got a member of staff out there and, um, you know, we can start getting samples made and everything like that. So I was, I was really lucky, actually. Um, they did all of that for me. And another thing which was really good with that was my key thing was affordability. Now, initially, I had said I kind of wanted it sort of sub 30 pounds or, you know, sort of high 20s to about 30. But in the end, to make something which was with when you're taking shippings and shipping charges and everything else to make a quality product, I, I really wasn't able to do that. So we've had to bump it up slightly. So our trainers are 35 pounds. But when we went through the whole design process, everything was about um, keeping them affordable. So what was good with working with Dan was he basically said, look, I can be here with you at every step of the way. So you give us a price point and we can work back from there, really, with the factory and we can develop it over time and we can adjust the design. Whereas if I'd gone with some of the other freelance designers who I was talking to, they basically were just giving me a design and said, that's fine. You know, off you go, go and find your, your factories. Now, you could then take that design to a factory and they go, yeah, we can build this, but it's going to cost you know, $50 a, a unit or something rather than uh, you know, what we were looking for. So it was really good, actually, that Dan sort of had this contact. That's such a good point. Like, I can totally see that you, I think you actually, the way you've described it to me, I'm thinking actually that's almost essential because you're right. If you, if the designer doesn't have a good understanding of the production process, they could very well design you something that you say that's way over your budget. Um, not, you know, not on purpose, but I guess if they don't really know, have a sense of how much things cost and what materials are. And so it sounds like your designer also had some sort of understanding of how shoes are produced, or at least, you know, was in contact with somebody who did. Oh, definitely. I mean, he, he's been across the factories, you know, numerous times over the years. I mean, uh, he's been in the footwear industry for sort of over 20 years. So he, he, you know, well, children's footwear, not really, he does some adults, but his, his focus has always been on children's. So yeah, he, he knows the whole process and, you know, how you can shave a bit of money off and, and all these different things. That sounds invaluable. Yeah, no, it definitely, if it, like, you know, I, I've said to him um, before, if it wasn't for him, you know, I definitely wouldn't be where I am now. Isn't it good when people just come into your life at just the right time? That's amazing. Yeah, um, it, it really was helpful. You know, um, there's been a number of cases like that when things have, you know, kind of gone well for me. But then it's also tricky because I, in some ways with this, I said, you know, I've said to people that I've been really lucky, but I've actually years ago I listened to a podcast actually I'm sure I, um, they were talking about a, a study which they did about people who believed that they were lucky and people who felt that they were sort of unlucky and, and things just never really worked for them or turned out well for them I'm sure that they sort of basically sent them into this room for like a meet and greet and the people who said that they were lucky basically went in got a coffee and just started mingling and talking to people and then they then found that the people who then said that generally they find themselves unlucky and things just don't work out for them are the people who kind of got a coffee, stood to the side and used their phone and sort of heads down and didn't really start those conversations. 
and I, I've definitely, you know, the more I've been doing this, I definitely see that that's one thing which has helped me is just conversations with people, asking people what they do and, and just really trying to understand it and talking, you know, honestly about what I do. And then, you know, I mean, I've had some, some of the dads from my son's school have helped me out with a business plan and stuff because, you know, I was talking to them and about honestly what I was doing and, you know, I had no experience whatsoever uh, about running or starting my own business and just that little bit of vulnerability they kind of went well look you know I, I'm no guru but bring us your business plan you know I did mine 10-20 years ago and I'll have a look at it for you um, but it was just because I started that conversation that's how it happened. That's really good isn't it I think you're right I think if you're open to help and I, I think it's about being open isn't it if you I think if you're open then more comes along I don't mean Definitely. that in a but I just think in general, I think if you're, like you say, you're willing to talk to people or maybe even ask for help as well. I think yeah. um, people don't always know that you need it if you, you know, if you if you're not talking about it and telling people. So I'd love to know as well. So when as well as talking to people about you know your, your business, did you get other people involved? I'm thinking when you had started, you know, you got to the sampling stage. Were you talking to other people about what they wanted from a shoe or what they thought of the designs or or anything like that? So I did. So initially, when I first, I guess, started coming up with uh, developing the ideas of the shoes, I wanted to make sure that what I thought, I guess, was objectively correct. So I actually did a, um, oh, what do you bloody call it? Not a quiz, uh, a survey. So I did a survey and I put it out on social media. And because I was part of some of the barefoot shoe groups, you know, I just did a little post and just said, look, I'm, this is what I'm looking at doing. If anyone's got some time, could you please com uh, complete this survey? So I had loads of people complete the survey, which told me, you know, sort of what was important to them and buying shoes, who makes the decisions, the price points, you know, when you buy some shoes, you know, what's the highest priority and, you know, like what's, style of shoes would you get and and there the clear favorite was trainers school shoes and wellies um, for the children then when we went through the design process we started getting the 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 samples you know i basically i started showing those to to people who i knew sort of friends and things like that and basically just said like you know what do you think of this what do you think of the style and i just had a few people who are close to me who um, i got a bit of advice from and and yeah that you know that that worked wonders that's brilliant and I, I think it's that's great to hear because I, and it's good that you were part of those barefoot communities as well because it sounds like they're the ideal people to get feedback from because I'm assuming that people who are part of those communities who have children are therefore going to be very interested in these shoes for their children yeah although again maybe I have to be a bit careful what I say I with the barefoot community I guess they're, the barefoot community are really aware of the benefits of the shoes and they've like fully bought into what they want from a barefoot shoe and then what i have found was some of the parents from the barefoot community if you like were i don't want to say really picky but they you know they wanted far more than what i was able to deliver i guess at my price point while some of them are a really good community and, and you know they sort of like what I was doing and they're kind of backing me I think some of them are actually more willing to pay you know a higher price point to get the the perfect barefoot shoe 
which you know I'm I'm not able I can't create a shoe which is going to fit every single child and every single child's style of foot so some of the barefoot community will you know kind of look across all the brands and they'll kind of go okay my child has got skinny feet but got a high instep or they've got you know really wide feet and a narrow heel or or whatever and I just can't I couldn't design a shoe which is going to fit every single foot so actually some of that barefoot community they really like finding the the ideal shoe my ultimate goal I guess is actually trying to convert the parents who don't know anything about barefoot shoes or know limited amounts about barefoot shoes that that's that's my kind of goal that's really interesting I was just as you were talking that was going to be my next question was that is your audience actually your ideal customers actually the people who are buying shoes for their children and just don't realize the benefits of barefoot shoes or I guess and I'd love to know as well do you think that that's a harder sell because they don't know about the benefits of barefoot shoes or is it just as tricky as you know as if you were targeting the barefoot community who have lots of specific requirements for their shoes it's possibly but it's possibly the same but yeah i guess the actual question probably is so how are you finding sort of marketing something to people that they perhaps don't yet know they need and need a bit of education on that's probably a better question i'll be honest finding it very tricky um it's definitely hasn't gone exactly the way i would have liked i am struggling to kind of get my message out there a little bit um because it's it's not sort of short form information really you know, just two minutes of information and, you know, I could chat to her parents and they uh, just basically go, yeah, give, you know, here's my money, take it, you know, I want your shoes. When you kind of tell someone about the, you know, the benefits of barefoot shoes and also to some degree, you know, you look at a bit of common sense and why would you, you know, you look at your child's feet when they're born and, you know, the baby shoes are pretty much barefoot shoes. Why then you know, do we start getting this narrow pointy two toe box about, you know, two or three years old, you know, and then why is it that so many women, you know, more so later in life that then have bunions and things like that, you know, it's, I think pretty much people would agree that a lot of the bunions and stuff will come from, you know, high heels and being in pointy shoes and stuff like that. And your, your foot just develops and grows like that. I'm trying to make parents' lives easier with what we do as a business and I'm also just trying to offer them something which I think actually is a you know we're a lower price than Clark's and I would say you know and we have then the, these uh, sort of the benefits if you like of, of you know sort of health benefits or barefoot shoes. I'm not surprised actually that you said it was a bit of a challenge because I think whenever you're doing something that's a bit unique it, there is a bit of education involved and it does take a little bit longer I agree with you though the fact that your shoes are cheaper than Clark's and cheaper than some of the other high street stores is probably a big advantage because I think if you were if you were perhaps creating barefoot shoes to target maybe, maybe you know the hardcore barefoot community and therefore shoes that were much higher more niche but much higher priced yeah. um i think that would be a much trickier sell to you know most parents who just was well, say who want the best for their children but also want affordable shoes yeah so i guess 
it sounds so it sounds like for the market you're aiming at it sounds like you've put loads of thought into making sure the price point is right and the you know and the shoes are as good as they can be yeah definitely so that's what and also i mean you know my wife and i obviously parents and so we started well part of the reason we did this or, or what we wanted as well was to make parents lives easier so you know how can you do that i mean everyone hates that battle i mean i remember as a kid with my mother you know being dragged into clark's shoes and you know there's just kids running you know running wild and, and stuff like that and you know it was the sort of the tradition that you go and you get your feet measured and and go and get your shoes but people's lives are so busy at the moment so one of the things which we offer is you can go to our website and buy a foot measure we call it our free-ish foot measure so you can buy one three pounds fifty and then you get three pounds fifty deducted off your first order of shoes so it's basically a free foot measure so then you have it at home so then you can keep measuring your kids feet and you can pass it on or whatever it might be but you don't have to go and do that battle of trying to find time trying to drag your kids in you know to go and get your school shoes you can order one it comes home measure your kids feet order online and a few days later you've got our shoes through the door just trying to make those parents lives easier that's such a good idea because I don't know who hates shoe shopping more, me or my kids. If I'm yeah. honest. And as you say, though, it's one of those things that at the moment you have to do in the shop because you don't know what size feet they are. Yeah. Um, so I think that's brilliant because, I mean, let's face it, a lot of us nowadays are buying online. It's much easier to buy online, but kids shoes is the thing that usually you can't unless you're prepared to buy an awful lot of shoes and send loads of them back and actually I always feel that I want to have my kids feet measured properly and know their feet are fitted in the shoes properly because you know you don't want them walking around in shoes that are a bit tight or are going to pinch on a certain point or something like that so and if you just you know if, if the way you're buying them is by ordering lots of pairs and trying them on and crossing your fingers that something's going to fit yeah. that's definitely where you can end up yeah uh, and also I think one of the things which is quite good with our shoes at least is i'll say the majority of or the most most kids absolutely love our shoes because they are so much they're, they're thinner they're flexible and the foot can move more naturally kids love them you know i had you know <clears throat> somewhat jokingly but i had sort of complaints when we launched the school shoes initially and we didn't have the trainers out like i had joking complaints from parents you know demanding that I, I release my trainer sooner because their kids refuse to wear their own trainers at the weekends they would only wear their school shoes because they were the barefoot shoes and they just found them more comfortable and they they were asking to go to the park in them and things like that they just they're like no I, you know i don't like putting my trainers on now that's so interesting isn't it that's I, that's really interesting that the kids themselves could notice such a big difference because i wasn't sure if it was something where we know it's better but actually for the child that you know there isn't a load of difference so i i'm Really, I'm quite blown away by the fact that the kids are noticing that much difference in the, in the way their shoes feel on their feet. Yeah, it is really noticeable. The kids love them. And uh, yeah, they, they just get that. I think part of it is they get the sensory feedback. You know, if you're in, you know, shoes from the, you know, whatever shop it might be, they have, you know, a huge chunky sole on them. And they just don't get that sensory feedback from, you know, from the ground or anything. And then, you know, you then kind of wonder, well, why, you know, you stick shoes on your kid and they're just stumbling over and they keep tripping up when they're learning to walk and stuff. And you're like, well, you know, actually, is it, is it because they're learning to walk or is it actually more of it because I've now stuck these 
you know, planks on the bottom of their feet, which which then don't move to their body and they can't really feel the ground. So you're, you know, basically walking around in moon boots. Yeah, that, that makes that makes so much sense. And what do your kids think of your shoes? I'm, I'm interested. Do they love them? Oh, uh, yeah. They, yeah, they, they love them. And I, I'll be honest, my, my daughter's feet are actually one size too small for my shoes. But um, yeah, I, I basically just refused to get to get her some different ones. So I stuck her in some of my shoes aside when they were size too big. But she loves them. She likes wearing them. She she loves like there's um so with ours, we've got a, a smiley face like in the uh, what would you call it? Like um, basically where your heel goes, but it's cut in half. So if you put your shoes together, the children can see a orange smiley face so they can just start to get that independence of trying to put of getting their shoes on the right feet because the amount of times when I've been trying to get out the door with my son you know before he had my shoes on and he was like oh daddy is this the right way is this the right way or you go to the park or something you're saying but your feet are hurting you have a look and he's got banana feet because he's got the shoes on the wrong side so again just trying to help parents out we've got this sort of smiley face cut in half so then kids can just kind of learn that independence of getting their own shoes on before they really start to grasp what left and right means. So yeah, she she really likes doing that smiley face. That's so clever. Because you're right, that is a that is a massive challenge. And actually sometimes if when you're even as an adult, when you're looking at them quickly, it's hard to sort of sometimes you have to pick them up to work out which one goes well I do to work out which one goes on which feet unless it's very obvious. So yeah, that's a really good idea. I haven't seen that anywhere. Um, and so when you had so just going to go back just very briefly back to the sort of the, the production side so once you had samples produced where you sort of trying them on your kids and other kids to see how they fit and how, I'm just curious in how that works because I guess that that's with any sort of clothing or or and footwear it must be a minefield to sort of make sure that the the sizing is right so how does how does that work um so um so the sizing was to start off with was done by my shoe designer because there are you know he he knows all of that if you like um so he dealt with the sizes and and then we had the um, samples made once the samples were made and we'd sign those off we then had uh, wear testing samples made and fit testing samples so then they all got sent to the uk we sent them off to a um I don't know what you'd actually classify her as, I guess, just a, a shoe fitter. So it's this lady's job who it is just, she gets sent shoes from different brands and things and, and you know, just tries them on different kids' feet and, and make sure that they sort of fit, you know, the average sort of kids and they won't rub anywhere or anything. Once it's past that, um, we then sent out the wear testers to, well, to people everywhere. I had some people up here. I had some people down from where the the freelance shoe designer was, uh, where Dan was. So we just sent them out to local parents, just did a post on social media and just sort of said, look, we, we've you know, got these shoes. Um, does anyone, you know, want, to, want a free pair of, well, not a free pair, but basically, you know, because we had to get them back, but um, basically just said, look, you know, would, would anyone like to be involved in, in this process and, you know, have our shoes for, I think, kind of eight to 12 weeks, I think they had to wear them. And they sent them back and then you know little questionnaire you know how did the kids find them did they complain about you know it rubbing anywhere when you looked at their feet you know did they get any blisters and then we can inspect the shoes as well see how it they're wearing um, and everything like that and yeah so we went through all that process 
and yeah we actually ended up with more far more requests a lot more requests actually for the shoes than the number of wear pairs which we had as soon as we kind of put this thing out on um, some of the parent groups and basically said this is you know this is what our shoes do this is what we're looking at does anyone want them parents went crazy for them the difficulty is in you know the facebook groups of you know buy swap sell and or whatever it might be or you know mum's notice boards and stuff like that on the mum's notice boards you can't um sort of self publish i sorry i can't self advertise so i can't go on to mum's groups and basically spam them go oh look this is what our shoes do this is what they're you know this is how good they are for your kids feet and so on and so forth we can't do that but when we put a post up just saying like you know, we need some wear testers which we were allowed to do everyone loved the idea that's really good and i think i guess even though you weren't able to sort of put a post up and say this is you know we're selling these shoes yeah. hopefully you still got some good publicity from that post and also from the people that then tried the shoes and, and loved them oh definitely we had a, a good amount of return custom from the people with the wear testers i mean it kind of a little bit out of sort of thin air, but I think you'd probably be looking at somewhere around 60 to 80% of the people who, you know, did the wear testers, I said, and probably more the higher end, they've then all come back and purchased our shoes. So, you know, I, I think that speaks volumes. That really does. And I think that's, that's so smart as well, because, you know, we were talking earlier about how it's hard to sort of not convert people, but, you know, to explain to people why, they might want to consider barefoot shoes um, and it sounds like by actually trying the shoes they kind of spoke for themselves yeah so also some of what i've been trying to do is when i've been doing some of the marketing i've actually always been trying to move away from calling them barefoot shoes i'm more sort of been trying to sort of use the words of like they're foot friendly or something like that and then maybe later on down the line bringing in this sort of comment of barefoot shoes because people might not either understand what barefoot shoes are or they might you know have heard some misinformation about it or, or whatever it might be so i just want to make sure that you know parents have the sort of the best information and they just understand it a bit clearer and if you say oh they're, they're foot friendly they're you know they're good for your kids feet i think it, parents then kind of go, okay tell me tell me more that makes real sense i think you're i think you're right and that's really smart as well because i think Foot friendly is something that we all want for our kids. And as I said, coming back to that graphic, which is the one that kind of really got my attention, sort of nobody wants to think their kids' toes are all squished up in shoes that are too tight, you know, things yeah. like that. It just makes total sense. But you're right, when you think of barefoot shoes, I think also some people who do know about them might have other, you know, might have other views because they might think of them as being, you know, like those flashy running trainers I was talking about earlier, or they might think it's, you know, it's not something for children. I think it's yeah. it's hard, isn't it? So I think you're right, fit friend. That's really smart, actually, yeah. so to to kind of pitch them in that way. Because yeah. um, I know because there will also be people, as you said, who have sort of a a poor perception of barefoot shoes for various oh, reasons. Definitely. I mean, years ago, well, I say year, uh, was I want to say somewhere in 2010, 2012, there was a book which came out called Born to Run. And lots of runners read it and they, you know, thought, wow, this is basically about running barefoot and things. And they're like, brilliant, I need this. 
I'm going to go out and buy some barefoot shoes. I'm going to start running barefoot shoes. And they basically go from running in normal trainers to barefoot shoes within like six weeks or something. And like a year later, um, they end up, you know, their knees are knackered or, you know, something somewhere has gone wrong and they end up going, well, you know, it's, it's because of the barefoot shoes. They've gone back to normal sort of running shoes, if you like. But again, that's because you've adapted, you know, everything is adapted to wearing sort of traditional shoes like the, the whole running gait, you know, running with a, a heel strike, which, you know, isn't such a natural way to run, really. If you, if you run barefoot, you know, everyone almost, you know, majority of people just automatically change to a midfoot slash forefoot, forefoot strike, because otherwise it, you know, jars your whole body trying to run barefoot, you know, with a heel strike, it, it sort of jolts you. So people automatically change to, to you know, sort of barefoot gait when they, run without anything on we, we we just don't want people to kind of get converted into the you know traditional shoes which can be harmful for for people's feet yeah and i'm actually a little bit embarrassed to tell you that that book is the reason i started wearing barefoot <laughs> trainers although i was fairly sensible i think as in i went for a shoe that wasn't completely barefoot um back then i think you're right it was maybe 10 years ago something like that you could sort of get varying degrees of padding you know so yeah. you could gradually draw you know you could go sort of slightly less cushioned and sort of work your way down which was the approach that i yeah. took um for fear of yeah some sort of injury yeah that was funny when you said that because i thought oh yeah that's the exact book <laughs> that, that made me decide that might be a good idea it's funny isn't it how things can just be a bit of a fad and you're right though for someone who read that book 10 years ago they might completely see it as a fad or a trend and something that you know is past it's yeah it's, so i think yeah. you're right foot friendly is definitely that makes yeah. more sense and it's a much clearer message i think as well yeah i mean it's a, a similar time i think as well that's when the the, the vivo Five Fingers came, v, not Vivo, but um, Vabram Five Fingers. I don't know if you've seen those. They're like, oh, the, yes. The, yes. <laughs> but then, so when you say barefoot, when I've just been talking to, to other people who, you know, don't know about sort of arse shoes or anything, and they say about barefoot shoes, they're like, oh, is that those weird, like, is that those weird ones where you've got the, the like, foot gloves? And I'm like, no, that's, that is a barefoot company, but that's not what barefoot shoes are. So again, I don't want people to sort of have this misconception. Um, and again, there's, like you said, just the, the the amount of misinformation which there there can be out there about footwear. I I don't want people to have sort of that the stigmatized idea of barefoot shoes. So yeah, I'm just trying to go with you know with, with foot friendly, you know. And that's what they are. Because as you said earlier, some of the barefoot shoes can look a bit different to the average shoes, but your shoes have shoes that look like shoes that your kids and parents would shoes i mean i guess from the outside they they look exactly the same i mean i've seen your products on your website they look like every other pair of shoes and i mean that in a, in a positive way yeah. you know they don't they don't stand out and i think that's kind of that's really important so i definitely think that for the audience you know you're trying to sell these so i definitely think they're pitched perfectly yeah. so that was one of the things which actually was exactly what you wanted was where you said they don't stand out that's exactly what i wanted I didn't, you know, they are, our shoes are going to stand out and be different because they're barefoot shoes. So the rest of it, I actually want them to look generic, which, you know, I'm, I'm glad to, to hear to some degree that we're achieving. That's brilliant. 
And um, so I've got sort of one final question before we finish, if that's okay, Ian, because I want to be really mindful of your time. Yeah. So my final question is, what is your number one piece of advice for other product creators? So I've been trying to actually give this some thought, and I don't know if I could say that, you know, I'm definitely not far enough down the line to be saying this is what other people should be doing, but I can definitely say what has worked well for me. And I would say if you're trying to make a decision, you're never going to be 100% sure. So for me, I was trying to get to, am I about 75% sure this is the right decision? And if it is, that's my threshold. And I go, fine, let's go with it. Because otherwise, you can just drag things out for so long trying to find the perfect you know, answer to what, you know, the perfect shoe design or, or whatever it might be. Whereas actually, I'm like, no, is it 75% there? Yes, good. That's good enough for me. And then I'll start doing whatever it is. And if it doesn't work, and it just means you've learned faster. And, you know, so, you know, when I'll give you an example, when we first launched, because everyone has to be mindful of, of the environments and stuff, we, we wrapped our shoes to post them out in um, paper with sort of nice um, eco paper tape on top. And it was like, yep, yeah, this is the way I'm going. You know, 75%, I'm sure this is the right option. And we started, and within a couple of weeks, I was like, nope, it doesn't work, uh, just because of the amount of time, even though it was, you know, I mean, it was, it's taken me sort of, you know, 40 seconds, I think, to wrap up uh, just a box by itself. But even still, when you're posting so many, it didn't work. But rather than spending ages and everything getting delayed, I made the decision. I started going down that path. And I just learned faster that it does or doesn't work. And yeah, that, that's something which has really helped me. That's really great advice. Thank you. Because I think, I, I think you're right that sometimes, you know, you can procrastinate or yeah. you spend a long time thinking about the, some of the smaller details, which I'm not saying they're not important, but like, you know, like you've just said, you can, you can change, you can make a decision and then a weeks or days or even hours later go, do you know what, actually, I think I'll do it a bit differently and that's fine. So I think yeah. that's, I think that's really, I think mean, that's really great practical advice for everything, actually. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I mean, I, th I, I think I actually nabbed it off Barack Obama. I, um, I, I heard him talking about something about making a decision and he, I'm sure he said it was something like, I think 80 or 60%, whatever his number was. It was like, no, you're never going to have hundred percent of the information. This is my threshold. I hit that. And then I make, I go with it. So if it was good enough for him, then I'm sure it'll be all right for me. I mean that's really good thank you so much and thank you so much for everything you've shared um yeah I've loved hearing more about your journey and your products and a bit about barefoot shoes as well so thank you so much okay perfect well thank you very much for your time you're welcome Thank you so much for listening right to the end of this episode. Do remember that you can get the full back catalogue and lots of free resources on my website, vickyweinberg.com. Please do remember to rate and review this episode if you've enjoyed it and also share it with a friend who you think might find it useful. Thank you again and see you next week. If you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.